Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles. They are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name and a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits, and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show 
that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua, the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. This school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. 
9, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside, California class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. That'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon and evening to everyone. Let us all bow our hearts and minds. And let us thank our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, who has seen fit to bring us together one more time so we can get a clearer picture and come to a greater knowledge and understanding of Yahweh's purpose. We are very grateful for what you have already shown us, Yahweh, through your son, Yahshua, and we appreciate the many blessings that you bestowed upon us. We thank you for bringing us out of the darkness and into your light. We just ask that you calm us down from any of the disruptions of the flesh and the distractions of the flesh. And let us focus in on the things that are being said and take them to heart and use them to your glory, Joshua. And we want to thank you for saving our souls, most importantly. We know that we need you now, and we've always needed you. There were times when we just didn't know that, but we know it now. And we're asking that you continue to show us what we need to know before the end of this age and just our have much gratitude for the things that you already have shown us. And we ask for your strength in these very, very tough times. In Yahshua's name, our Savior, let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening, class. Tonight I'll be reading Isaiah, the 42nd chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by the late A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association Incorporated in College Park, Maryland, Isaiah 42. Behold my servant, who I am uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, He shall bring forth judgment to the nations. He shall not cry nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith the El Yahweh, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth 
and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, Yahweh, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the nations to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am Yahweh, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. And behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare, before they spring forth I tell you of them. Sing unto Yahweh a new song, and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea, and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice. The villages that Kedar doth inhabit it. Let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory unto Yahweh and declare his praise in the islands. Yahweh shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, war. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have long time holding my peace. I have been still and refrained myself. Now will I cry like a travailing woman, I will destroy and devour at once. I will make waste mountains and hills and dry up all their herbs, and I will make the rivers islands and will dry up the pools. And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. They shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed that trust in graven images that say to the molten images, ye are our Elohim. Hear ye deaf and look ye blind that ye may see. Who is blind but my servant, or death but my messenger that I sent? Who is blind is he that would be perfect, and blind is Yahweh's servant? Seeing many things, but thou observest not. Opening the ears, but thou hearest not. Yahweh hath desired for his righteousness sake to magnify the law and make it honorable. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses, and they are for a prey, and none delivereth for a spoil, and none saith restore. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken and hear for the time to come? Who gave Jacob for a spoil and Israel to the robbers? Did not Yahweh? He against whom we have sinned, for they would not walk in his ways, neither were they obedient unto his law. Therefore he hath poured 
upon him the fury of his anger and the strength of battle, and it hath set him on fire round about. Yet he knew not, and it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Bruce Geller. I have just a quick announcement before we continue this, this evening. The next two weeks, we will not be streaming live on YouTube. The next two weeks, we will not be streaming live. Our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside, California class, and Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse, New York class. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside, California class. And I'll help Dr. Welch read. Hi, everyone. Hello. It, it, Hello. It's, a it's a pleasure to stand before you, so to speak, and be a part of this gospel. And I'm just so thankful all the time that Yahshua has chosen each and every one of us out of the world to come in and learn something about his purpose and plan. And, you know, it is, it's a truly precious thing. And I always tell myself just, you know, I find myself sometimes not taking it for granted, but it's not always in the forefront of my mind at all times because we get kind of caught up in the things of this life. But I'm just so thankful to Yahshua that he always brings me back to the reality of, of what we have, what we've been given, and that our creator uh, is, has chosen us out of the world. And there is something that you can know about your creator. And it's just such an amazing thing. And if you really think about it, you know, how can you, how can you not be in awe of it all? And and I just was just thinking about a, you know, kind of a somewhat principle the other day because, um, you know, we've had like really terrible air here because of the fires in Canada. And we even take breathing for granted. And, you know, and I was just, you know, when you're out there or faced with no good air to breathe and, you know, it's toxic to your body and all those kind of things, it kind of ties back in with the COVID situation where, yeah, the COVID attacked people's airwaves and they weren't able to breathe the name of Yahweh. And, and I'll just uh, say that um, we breathe the name of Yahweh. It's, it's Yahweh in a, in a more exaggerated form. But if you just in the quiets of your own um, space, breathe the name, it's Yahweh, you're breathing. And mm -hmm. Just taking oxygen for for granted is is something that we do, and 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 that's another thing too because the breath and our breathing is intercession to our to our Creator, and so I think about those principles a lot when you just everything points to Yahweh and Yahshua in this creation. If you've been given some eyes to see something and some ears to hear what's being told to you. And that's what we do down here is we gather together and we learn about our creator, what he provides us and the revelations that he gives to us. And uh, that's his purpose to, for his, his offspring 
or his sons to know him, know something about him. And um, give me John 17, three. It's just kind of a cornerstone that, that we never knew out in the world. And I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for most people. Um, what, what eternal life is, as well as what Yahweh wants, Yahweh wants for us through Yahshua. So go ahead and read that, please. John 17 and 3, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true El, and Yahshua, the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. And this is life eternal. I mean, it's as clear as the nose on your face, they say. And it's so clear. And this is what life eternal is. And we never knew that out in the world. We didn't even really know that there was a life eternal. We hoped that, that we were going to heaven or we'd see our creator, if we even believed in a creator, after we die. But life eternal is to know him. And we will know him more extensively in ages to come. But we have to know him now in this flesh while we're in this flesh, because this is where we get the opportunity to learn of him. And, um, you know, people think that you're going to receive your inheritance and talk to God after you die. No, we're receiving our inheritance now in these bodies and we are talking to him now and he's speaking with us now. And I should say he's talking to us now, but we're listening and learning and talking with him because we interact with him all the time in our most holy place, which is in our heart and mind. And um, so in the scripture, there's it's a lot. There's a lot in the scripture and really the scripture, you know, the book is broken down into law, prophets and fulfillment. And this particular scripture, Isaiah 42, is in the prophets. And the law is the first five books of your Bible. And those were given, that was given um, to Moses, to the, the Hebrews or the, the Jews at that time. And so the law was given and the prophets show forth that, um, show forth the principles of that. And then Yahshua came in under the, um, the fulfillment the law prophets and um, law prophets and fulfillment and through through the through the apostles and through Yahshua's ministry to fulfill all that's in the law and in the prophets. So the whole Bible fits together perfectly and it's not disjointed. It's not the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament was mean and the new one is love and mercy. There's one Yahweh. There's one spirit. Um, give me a, uh, I believe it's Zechariah 14 and nine. Let me get that real quick. And Yahweh is one. He's one creator in three um, different capacities of the same entity or creator. So go ahead and get that. What was it, Zechariah? What was this verse, Linda? I believe it's 14 and 9. Zechariah 14 and 9. Okay. And Yahweh shall be king over all the earth, and Yahshua shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Yahweh and his name one. Yes. And that's such um, 
that's such a revelation just in itself to know that your creator, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim and Yahweh, I mean, sorry, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim and Yahshua are all one. They're mm-hmm. the same. And um, I'll just back that up a little bit. I didn't want to talk about that per se, but just get me John one and one real quick. Okay. John, John one and one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. Mm-hmm. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. All things are made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, and then go just go down then to uh, 14 if 14. you could. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Okay, and so just to just verify what I'm saying, if you look on the chart there, up on the top of the chart, you see a pure spirit on the top left with um, nine primary divine attributes. And then you see you see the tabernacle to, uh, to the right of that. And you see a man there. Let me pull mine open too, so I can see a little better. You see a man there and he's, he's, and it's a tabernacle next to him. And then if you look at the bottom of the chart, uh, the bottom right, you're going to see um, Jesus, they call him, but truly the name is Yahshua. Um, his, that's his true name. And Yahweh is the name he chose for himself. Yahweh Elohim is the name he gave himself as their, uh, you know, their, the true God is Elohim. And then uh, Jesus or Yahshua, um, he came in his father's name. So his name has to be Yah something. So his name is Yahshua and, you know, can be totally verified. And his name means Yahweh is salvation. So he is orchestrating his purpose himself. There's no different people involved. It's all Yahweh in just three states of of different existence um, or different manifestations, but the same principle is Yahweh. And so everything is basically principles of him. Everything is principles of him. So that's how he exists. Yahweh is pure spirit and we can't know pure spirit so he had to take on a shape and form, which he, he gave the name himself of that. It's Yahweh Elohim. And the creation came forth out of Yahweh Elohim, um, which was still Yahweh. And then to, and his whole purpose of his creation is to save his people from their sins. And so he came down as our savior also. And then, and so that's the purpose it, it, to, to form his, his spirit or his, the divine attributes that are up in the top left that we can't um, discern with any natural senses. His whole purpose and plan is to um, basically f- uh, provide his offspring knowledge and understanding of him to form in his soul and to convert our dead souls that are dead in sin and trespasses into a glorious soul that reflects his his only son, which is Yahshua, and bring us back 
to the father in the round trip of it. So that's really, you know, and that's simplified, of course, there's just so many, you could break this down in just so many areas, but that's, you know, basically the purpose and plan of Yahweh. And to be sitting here saying, oh, this is the purpose plan, purpose and plan of my creator. It's like, so it's so mind blowing to, and it, you know, we, we talk about it so much that it's, that, that it seems kind of almost mainstream to us at this point, but it's so incredible that um, we could know something about our creator. And then um, just, I'm going to have to go to Ephesians to just back that up a little bit. And there's a million ways you can back up everything that we say, but you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to have the time to do it all. So you have to try to fine tune your brain a little bit to just try to bring out stuff that maybe can make sense to somebody. And that's why we're here in these classes for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And you never learn it all. There's, you're never going to learn it all because Yahweh is bigger and more vast than, than every galaxy in existence, you know, and every Milky Way and every, it's like the vastness of the creator is that's how much knowledge that there would be to know about him. And, you know, we just can't know that, but he decides, he decides what we can know and what he wants us to know and how he wants to bring us forward in in his teaching. So um, just go ahead and get me, please, Ephesians 1. And, and I, you know, when I first came into class or I, I was in class for a while, but when I, we, when I read this, I was just like, it's so beautifully perfect that this is the purpose and plan of Yahweh, our creator. It's right in the Bible, but nobody knows it really. You know, they, they, they take bits and pieces and, and, you know, I listen to, you know, just different, um, sometimes I'll hear like, you know, preachers talking on TV or something like that. And the stuff sounds really good. You know, I could see why they have a lot of followers. It sounds good. And that they use the scriptures, they use the buzzwords, they use all those kind of things, but it's not according to the knowledge that Yahweh gives his sons. It's this book is we say all the time is, is written in a mystery. So the, the devil can read this book and, and understand, you know, the stuff in this book, but he doesn't understand the true reality. And he hasn't been given a revelation, just like the stuff sounds good all the time out in the world and everything. And it turns out to not even be true. So this is a way to know your creator and that it's true. So go ahead and read, please, Ephesians uh, 1 and 4, starting at. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons by Yahshua the Messiah to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Um, go ahead and just go a little further. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Okay. And keep going. Cause it's got a little more in there. Wherein, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, 
which he hath purposed in himself. Okay, and you could you could stop right there. And if you keep, I won't read the whole thing, but you can read down in your Bible for yourself too. And, and um, basically, uh, he, in the fullness of times, he's going to gather everything back into himself and back to the Father. And it says we have an inheritance in eleven, and um, we have to. And go ahead and read thirteen. In whom he also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, ye believed. Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Yeah, and I should have had you read the whole thing, Every, everything. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and read 11 also. We can't skip that. Okay. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things, after the counsel of his own will, that we yes. should be to yeah, the praise, okay. yeah, go ahead. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Yahshua. Okay. In whom, in okay, that's enough. Okay, that's good. Sorry. Anyway, so I'm trying not to take up a lot of clock reading, but um, basically, if if you just read to yourself and just pull this out in Ephesians, when I first was reading this when I was earlier on in class, I was so blown away to see that this is the purpose and plan of our creator. And, you know, you could read all these words and they would mean nothing to you unless you are shown that they're true and they're accurate and he's unerring. And he, um, he says right in John 17, three, life eternal is to know him. And we thought life eternal was to, uh, help people and tithe and go to church and be a good person. And, and uh, we say all the time, those are really wonderful things. And really, if you have Yahshua in you, you're going to do all those things. There's no, there's no physical works that are set up under this covenant. And there's just so much, there's so much to this teaching that everything I've I feel like everything I say, I have to now go and talk about covenants and um, and I'm not going to do all that because I'm trying to uh, stay focused. But I know really in this gospel, there's so much to know and learn that and everything, everything reminds you of something else or or opens up something else when you're thinking about it. And it's it's a beautiful gospel and it's a living gospel. And. He's con and and Joshua is in the hearts and minds of his of his people because he is it says right in Ephesians you know uh, the the gospel of your salvation and um, actually get, go ahead and get me that please um, first I don't want to jump all over but First Corinthians fifteen and one because you know we talk it says in here and you you're sealed after you believe. Um, the word of truth, but the, but how do you know it's the truth? Because it's the gospel of your salvation and Yahweh gives you a way to know that it's the truth and it's not some man's concept and opinion. And the longer you're in here, the more you totally can see, you can discern between right and wrong, between a truth and a lie. And you have the scriptures 
And the, the way the scriptures read and the fulfillment of Yahshua's ministry, all of those things line up according to everything that this, this uh, class teaches. So go ahead and read that for me. First Corinthians 15 and 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Yahshua died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, and thank you for that, uh, Sharon. And and the reason I read that is because, um, you know, we talk about the gospel. It's the gospel of your salvation. And it's the gospel of your salvation is not going to church or it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua, the Messiah. And then for him to resurrect into your heart and mind if he chooses you as a son. That's the gospel. And, um, you know, and, and, a lot, and you read this Corinthians and, you know, which I preached unto you and there's tons of preachings out there and, and they preach the gospel out there, but it's not according to what saith Yahweh. And it says you're saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain, you could take all those things out in the carnal world and think that you have the gospel, but, and it's, and it says how Yahshua was delivered and died or uh, delivered up and died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, that's all like mainstream religion. You know, it's, it's Easter and all the things that religion teaches, but it's not the true gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah, because they uh, like religion still has you basically burdened under the old covenant, which um, was the laws that were, it was the 613 laws and 10, including the 10 commandments that were given to the Jews at Mount Sinai. And that's what religion has. It, they, after Yahshua died on the cross or Jesus, they say, after he died on the cross, they left him at the cross. And the whole reality of the thing is when he died and was buried and resurrected, he poured out his Holy Spirit on the hearts and minds of men and quickened their dead souls. So that's, that's the whole complete wrongness of everything that we're not waiting for Yahshua to come back. He's here now in the hearts and minds of men. And so, you know, we're not waiting for him to come back or uh, waiting to receive eternal life or whatever after we're dead. We get it now with the preaching of the gospel. And it's so different because, I mean, you get you could take every word and, you know, all the words in the Bible. These are basically the truths. It's the it's the um, revelations of Yahweh given to men, but you can't be, you can't discern it and understand it spiritually unless it's revealed to you. And that's why the devil can't understand it and can read the book. 
So you can think you understand it, but unless it's proven to the law and to the testimony, actually give me that, please. That will help me. Isaiah 8 and 20. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 8 and 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Okay. And right there, and um, we have um, what's a book, not in our not in our organization, but there's a book called the Zondervan um, Reference Edition. And for uh, no light in them, it's there's no revelation of truth in them. So go ahead and read that and insert that if you could, Dave. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light of the truth in them. No, no, close enough. No revelation of truth. No revelation of the truth. Sorry. Sorry. So and there's no revelation of truth in them. So that right there denotes that there is a revelation that needs to be given. You can, you can't give yourself a revelation. A revelation is from your creator. So if you have to go to the law and the testimony or the prophets, and if they don't speak according to what saith Yahweh in this divine vision and revelation given to a man by the creator himself, it's because there's no light in them or revelation of truth. And so we, you can, and you need to study and you need to um, know what's in the scriptures and you need to be a class, but Yahshua has to give the increase. And there's a scripture and I don't, you don't have to get it, but it said something like Apollos waters and uh, watereth and uh, I forget how exactly goes, but Yahshua, in other words, uh, you know, Paul or Ap Apollos or those people um, put the seed down. In other words, preach the gospel, but it's Yahshua that um, cultivates it or um, brings it to reality and reveals it. And it's Yahshua that has to do the work and, and all of it. So, and give me please 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. This was another thing that is so mind-blowing because, and I'll preface it real quick, because, you know, when we're out in the world, you know, we think we're the, we're the captain of our ship and, you know, we have free will. And I know there's a lot of controversy about free will, but the reality of it is, you know, you're predestined from the foundation of the world to be saved. And it's scripturally backed in here. And if you're predestined from before you've even been born, then there's an operate a force and operation that you have nothing to do with. And so go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of Elohim, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify Yahweh in your body and in your spirit, which are Yahweh's. Yes, and... When, when, you know, when that was read and I understood it, I mean, you could read, like I said, these things and they'd really, people read over all these things all the time. But what this is saying is your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And 
we talk about in class all the time that the tabernacle is, it says on the top, Elohim, the archetype uh, original pattern of the universe. He's the tabernacle pattern. And the tabernacle pattern, which is in the middle of the screen there, is he had that built to specific specifications. And it was um, where he came down unto his people and, and communed in there in, in the tabernacle in the most holy place. And there's a lot involved in that. But our body is there's uh, our body is the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. Also, there was a physical tabernacle built in the wilderness to show forth the spiritual reality of how our creator exists in a threefold pattern, just like I explained back at the beginning saying that Yahweh is Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, and Yahshua, and these three are one, that tabernacle was also a three-in-one configuration. And we use the most perfect example to explain Yahweh really is that we talk about is, you know, the, the water, you know, the molecule of water. It exists in three states, but it's one H2O water. It's, it can exist in a gaseous, a liquid, or a solid. And given any time, like there's different needs for when you would want them in the different, you know, you might want water, you might, might, you might want ice, or, okay, thank you. So um, I see that. So anyways, so that's how our creator exists, and we're threefold. And our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that is so profound because your creator walks is walking around in physical bodies if you be a son and he has chosen to to reveal himself and give his spirit to you and that's why we are what we manifest if that makes sense because what we manifest is what spirit is in is in our tabernacle and our whole goal here is to learn what we can and ask Yahshua to have mercy and, and grace to, uh, on our soul, because we know we can't work up on it. We can't um, do anything to receive it. It's by grace and mercy. And there's tons of scriptures on that, which I don't have time to pull. But I just, um, and go, go back to the scripture just for a second. I just wanted to say something, a couple things about that. Isaiah 42, I think it was. But anyways, I could go on and on and elaborate just like other people that are in this, this gospel, because not only is this so beautiful, if you have anything to say, Yahshua's giving it to you to say, and we're not all speakers, we're not all eloquent, uh, but Moses wasn't eloquent, and he was chosen to do a job, and that's what we're down here doing, is doing a job, and the job of our creator to bring forth the truth and to the world and to the truth of this gospel before it's eternally too late for, you know, this earth plane and, and the people of it. So, um, and we know that things are just really spiraling out of control yet. They're not out of control. They're in control, which is also peace and uh, peace of mind for us, but read 42 and one. Isaiah 42 and 1. 
Behold, my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And right there is just is the reality. It's like we're there, we're a servant of Yahshua, a servant of Yahweh, if we be lucky enough to be chosen as a servant. You know, and Paul said he was a prisoner, but he said it in a way of awesomeness. You know, he went through a lot for the gospel, but he um he counted it all joy, you know, and we're servants of the, of this teaching and of Yahshua, if he chooses you. And he says, whom I uphold mine elect, we're his elect in who his spirit is upon us, upon him or upon us, his spirit. And not only is it upon us, it's in our hearts and minds. It's not like a, a force upon you. It's changing your soul to the soul of Yahshua. And, um, and so he's put my spirit upon him. And so, and just give me one more scripture, get me Matthew 12 and 18. Mm-hmm. Matthew 12 and eight, 12 and 18. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Behold my servant whom I have chosen my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. And that's that's what we want. We're striving to be a servant of Yahshua. We want, we want to be his servant. And um, he and it says, whom I have chosen, my beloved, he loves us. He wants us to, to uh, know him and understand him and feel his love and his presence in our life and guide us. And um, it says in whom my soul, in whom my soul is well pleased and it pleases your creator for, for him to give you the kingdom. And that's, and I believe Luke, and it says something to the effect of uh, it, it pleases Yahweh to give you the kingdom. And that's what he wants. He wants us to be his offspring, to us for to love him and respect him and honor him and for him to give us the kingdom. And with those words, thank you for giving me some time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Cherie Williams from our Orlando, Florida class. Good evening, class. Good evening. You can hear me okay? Yes. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed the testimony of Dr. Linda Volpe. Uh, that was so edifying, and she um, covered a lot of ground. And um, I am always thankful unto Yahweh, I owe him, through Yahshua the Messiah, for giving Dr. Henry Clifford Kenlin this great divine vision and revelation at the end of this present kingdom age. Because if Yahweh didn't do that, we, we would be just so lost, not knowing anything about his purpose, pattern, and plan of salvation. We wouldn't even know his holy name. I mean, we wouldn't know his purpose, nothing. We would be just totally lost. And I, I'm thankful and grateful 
that Yahweh loved us so much and he had mercy on our souls to give Dr. Killing this vision and revelation that we might know him as he really is and actually exists. Um, the previous speaker was working with how that uh, in John 17 and three, which is written in red, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, that Yahshua declared that eternal life is to know the only true God, which truly is the only true El, who is Yahweh, and Yahshua the Messiah whom thou hast sent. But she worked a lot with the unity, and I just want to kind of tap in on that uh, for a moment. Does anybody have a holy name version? If you could read John 17 and 3 out the holy name so we could pick up this unity. And see if we can run that real quick. Um, do does anyone have one? Hold I don't have book? one. Jerry okay. does. Anyway, it says I'll be right there. Okay. <laughs> Thank I'm sorry, you so I, much. I don't usually use it during class. I use my other one. So yes, I I prefer the King James version. I right. really do. But uh, because I want to work with this unity, the way that it's working. Oh, you got it. Thank you. Yeah. John 17 and three. And this is life eternal that they might know that thou only art the true Elohim and Yahshua, the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Oh, boy. So you see, uh, working with the unity, the way it's worded in the Holy Name Bible, it says, and this is life eternal, that they might know that. Thou only art the true El and Yahshua, the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Because what? These three are one. And to know that Yahweh Elohim Yahshua is one is salvation to our souls. Because the world don't know that he's a unity, right? Uh, as I was Christian and, and brought up in Mount Moriah Baptist Church in one part, uh, I was taught that God was a trinity, the holy trinity. Uh, 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 three persons and one God. You understand what I mean? And you can't find the word Trinity from Genesis 1-1 to Revelations 22 last. It's not in there. The word Trinity is not written in the scriptures. But all the way through there, you're going to find a unity as the previous speaker was working with. So now we read here in the Holy Name Version to know that Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua is one is salvation to our souls, Right? So when we go over to Deuteronomy, you scripture readers know where I'm going. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, uh, that's in the law. Then you got Zechariah 14 and 9. And then if somebody can get for me, um, I think it's over there. And also in John, the 17th chapter, you can read it out, the uh, King James, but insert the true names uh, where Joshua says in that prayer in John, the 17th chapter, that he and his father is one, make them one as we are one. So let's do Deuteronomy first, uh, six and four. Deuteronomy six. Oh, go ahead. Deuteronomy six, four. Hear, O Israel. Yahweh, our Elohim, is one Yahweh. Yes. Hear, O Israel. This is what Yahweh said to the children of Israel after they were delivered out of Egypt, right? Gathered around that mountain. He says, hear, O Israel. Yahweh, thy Elohim, is Yahweh a unity. And that's what the previous speaker was talking about. 
He's a unity. He's not a trinity. And Dr. Kelly made sure before he took the flesh off that he wrote that on that uh, Elohim form or Elohistic form or visionary shaping form up there on this mountain here where you see Yahweh Elohim, the great creator. He, it has on there Yahweh Elohim Yahshua because these three are one. You get what I mean? So to know that he's a unity is salvation to our souls. All right, so that's in the law, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. You have Zechariah 14, 9. I can get that. Hang on. Okay. Oh, I have it. Zechariah 14, 9. And Yahweh shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Yahweh and his name one. Yes, indeed. It says, and in that day, the question would be, what day is he talking about? He's talking about the day of Pentecost or our day of Pentecost. And in that day, will Yahweh, that Yahweh will be king over all the earth. And he always has been. You know what I mean? From the beginning of time, all the way down to now, he has always been king over all the earth. But the thing of it is, mankind has been groping around in darkness and not knowing that he is. Because we didn't know Yahweh. I owe him through Yahshua the Messiah till we came to class, right? But when that revelation come, as she was talking about, you see what I'm saying? When the light bulb turns on in the head, when you sit under this great divine vision and revelation, it says Yahweh shall be king. And truly, if Yahshua's clicking in you, Yahweh is king over all the earth. And in that day, that's the day of Pentecost or our day of Pentecost, because Pentecost is still going on. In that day, so Yahweh proved to be a unity and with one name. You get what I mean? All right. So we're seeing that unity coming all the way down through. Did you find it over there in John, the 17th chapter? Make yeah, them seven, one. Okay. 17. If, okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. And if the other scripture read, if you can go ahead and get First John 5 and 7, that would be great. You need that in the King James as well. Go ahead. And I'll pick it up at 21, 17, okay. 21, it's at 22. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Absolutely. So this is written in red. These are the words of Yahshua the Messiah praying. Right. This, you know what I'm saying? And he's praying that uh, uh, that the brethren will be one as he and his father are one and that we shall be one in him. You get what I'm saying? So uh, we as a body, right, being one and that's somewhere else in the book, too where it talks about speaking the same thing. Y'all, sometimes, you know, I'm not really good with, with scriptures, but I know it's there where it talks about uh, uh, being on one accord and, and, and speaking the same thing. I don't know where that is. But anyway, uh, while somebody finds that, uh, you, if you'll get First uh, John 5 and 7, that would be great. So we're seeing that, you know, Yahweh, our Elohim is the unity in the law and Deuteronomy is repeated. And Zechariah that he's one, and Yahshua's praying that we should be one, 
as as he and his father are one and all of us are one in Yahshua the Messiah down here now by receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is our only hope of glory, Yahshua in us, right? So then uh, over there in 1 John 5 and 7, let's hear that. Okay. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Absolutely. And you know what's so beautiful about this teaching is that, yes, you know, we know that, that we must go to all prophecy fulfillment as the previous speaker was obedient and did and did such, you know. But what's so beautiful about this teaching is that we don't have to have just the Bible, you know. As a matter of fact, we don't have just the Bible, you know, to try to, to know something about Yahweh, I own him through Yahshua the Messiah. He's given us the entire creation to understand and examine that, that we might understand that he's a unity and not a trinity. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's Romans 119 and 20. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul states that we could take the natural to understand the spiritual, right? So when we go out there in that creation dealing with this unity, as Dr. Volpe was talking about, you know, uh, we're walking around on this earth plane. You know what I mean? And each and every one of us learned in school, but it didn't mean nothing to us at the time. You know, we learned that the earth that we walk around on is a, a crust, a mantle, and a core. Three parts to the earth, but it's one earth. Well, we all heard it in science. You know, and we're like, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It didn't mean anything to us at the time. But now that we've come into this school being taught by the true teacher who is Joshua the Messiah, that's John 14, 26. And he's teaching us all things and bringing all things back to our remembrance. Now he is taking our minds back when we were in school and learning that the earth plane is the crust, mantle, and a core three parts to the earth, but one earth. But now we know why it's made that way. You understand? Teaching us that Yahweh, Elohim, Yahshua, and these three are one. So therefore you must have a, a cross, a mantle, and a core, three parts to the earth, but only one earth, proving that the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. Isn't that beautiful? And then like when you go to the beach, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the whole creation, the earth plane, it is, it's really three yet one. What am I talking about? When you go to Daytona Beach, for an example, uh, you're standing on the earth. You understand me? That's one. You look out there, you see the ocean. That's two. And then you look up further. That's the atmosphere. That's the whole, that's what this whole earth plane is made of. Land, water and air or atmosphere, three parts to this creation, but one creation. Then you take water itself. I think she touched on that. You see, water can exist in three uh, states of existence. And we knew that before we came to class, but it didn't mean nothing to us, that you could take water, right? And, and it's in your glass. And we learned in science that water is H2O. That's three parts, but one water. <laughs> you get what I mean? Then when you take that liquid called water and you pour it into the ice tray, you know, that's really old school now. <laughs> I'm showing my age, right? <laughs> because we have ice makers now. You get what I'm saying? 
But when even when you hear your ice maker turn on and you hear the noise, you know, the water is pouring into the little ice thing and then it freezes and then it, it rotates and comes out of there. In other words, it's liquid and then it's frozen to 32 degrees. Now you have ice. You get what I mean? And then uh, if you take that ice and you put it in a pot, right, on some heat, then it goes back to water, right? And if you keep it boiling, you see the steam coming up off of there. That is uh, H2O in a vapor state. So you have H2O in a vapor state, what they call down here in Florida, humidity. You know, like it could be 95 degrees, but it feels like 105 because of the moisture in the air. Humility. You understand what I'm saying? In the air. That's the water in a vapor state because we have water on three sides in the state of Florida. You get what I'm talking about? So that's water in a vapor state. And then we have, you better have air conditioning in Florida because baby, it gets hot here in Florida in the summertime, right? And you turn that air conditioning on. If you really like it cool, if you're going through the change, y'all girls know what I'm talking about. Uh, then you see the water droplets forming on the windows. Because the molecules in that uh, vapor state water, you understand what I'm saying? It slowed down and it manifests itself as water droplets on the windows. You get what I'm saying? And then that water can be ice. So the whole point of it is water is three manifestations, ice, water, vapor. You get what I'm saying? Proving the Father Yahweh the word Elohim, and the Savior, the teacher, Yahshua, the Messiah, and these three are one. You understand me? And you know another thing, too, that's beautiful about that the water is three yet one. When you look at this Moses chart, right? And, and this is nothing new. I have no new revelations, believe you me. You see that cloud on that mountain there? That's Yahweh in his pure spirit state. And then he takes on this visionary shape and form as Elohim, right? The great creator of the angelic and physical creation. And then he puts on a physical body as Yahshua the Messiah, as the previous speaker was talking about. It's the self-same spirit. It didn't change. Just like that H2O. It's H2O as a vapor. It's H2O as a liquid. And it's H2O as ice. And then the molecules did not change. Just like the great creator, he's Yahweh in pure spirit. He's Yahweh in shape and form, whom he titled Elohim. And that's Yahweh in Yahshua the Messiah. You get what I'm saying? It's the self-same spirit, you see, but you got two manifestations of the one invisible Yahweh. You get what I mean? It's beautiful. And then what's even more beautiful, we came that self-same way. But we didn't know that. What are you talking about? Once upon a time, you see, when my and Paul got together, we were just a, cl a cloud of substance. You get what I mean? And 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 uh, then when that when that spermatozoa meets with that ovum, there's a new creature being uh, a born now. And it's doing what? It's taking on shape and form in mommy. You get it? But at first it was just a cloud of sexual secretion. 
But then when you got that conception take place, now that which was just sexual secretions is like onto the cloud on that mouth, it's taking on shape and form in mommy. So Yahweh was pure spirit taking on shape and form. And then um, we take on shape and form uh, in our mother's womb. You understand what I'm saying? As proof that that's what the great creator did. He took on shape and form. You get what I'm saying? Isn't it beautiful? And then after nine months, right, you have a bouncing baby girl or a bouncing baby boy. And so the way that we came into this earth plane, into this creation, is proven also that Yahweh was pure spirit, took on shape and form, and manifested in a physical body. And we came that same, same way, sexual secretion or cloud taking on shape and form in mommy, only seen in a sonogram. You understand what I'm saying? You cannot see that baby without some, some help. You understand? Oh, boy. And then nine months later, a bouncing baby girl and a bouncing baby boy. So our, our very existence and the way we came about teaches us about our creator. We're talking about how to take the natural to understand the spirit. You follow me? So then when you take the man, and you examine him, you see, let's see, this is a good chart, but can we go to the man-made body pattern chart? That would be helpful at this point. We're still working with the unity of the spirit, okay? So man himself has a head cavity, a chest cavity, and an abdominal cavity, right? You can live without your arms and legs because we have soldiers that have lost their limbs, right? In a war, they lost their arms and legs, but as long as they have their head, chest, and their abdominal area, then they can live, they can exist, you see? And these three parts make us up, a head, a chest, and abdominal, three parts to the man, but it's only one human being proven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one, or Yahweh Elohim Yahshua, these three are one, you get it? Also. Um, your arm is three yet one. You have a hand, you have a lower arm, you have an upper arm. Three parts to that arm, but only one arm proven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. And your leg is made the self-same way. You have a foot, a lower leg, and an upper leg. Three parts to that leg, but it's only one leg. Proving the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one, or Yahweh, Elohim, Yahshua, these three are one. We are Numa, Psychic, and Soma. I sound smart, right? I learned this in class. Okay. <laughs> that means that we're spirit, soul, and a physical body. That's three yet one. Your brain is a forebrain, a midbrain, and a hinder brain. It has medical terms that I can't uh, pronounce right now. But you got three parts to your brain, but it's only one brain proven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. You understand me? It's just wonderful when we can go out and examine these things. Okay, now you went through all that trouble to deal with that. And I, I want to go back to the green chart. I appreciate that so much. I don't mean to work the uh, chart person. But on the green chart, right, you got the creation manifest there. 
and in the creation on the earth plane, you have trees, right? And the tree is three yet one. What are you talking about? A tree, uh, on the green chart, uh, is a root system. It's a trunk. And then it's branches or the crown of that tree. There's three parts to that tree. A root, a trunk, and the branches. Thank you. It's three parts proven. The Father, the Word, and Holy Spirit. These three are one. Thank you so much. And then... On that tree, what do you have on the tree? You have fruit on the tree. See, and I'm, I'm in Florida, so we have orange trees. We have tangerine trees. We have grapefruit trees. You know what I mean? So when you pull that fruit, we have apples, trees. You get what I mean? Whatever fruit that it is. Did you know that fruit is three yet one? Somebody said, what you talking about? It's appealing on that piece of fruit, right? Say, for instance, it's an orange, you peel off the peeling, and then you got your, your orange, right? And when you bite into it, we call that, that's the meat of that orange. When you bite into it, it's sweet and it's juicy. That's part two. And uh, the juice running down your arm, you know what I'm saying? And then when you finish eating that orange there, in the center of that orange, there's several seeds. And you sometimes you bite into that sweet orange and a seed again in your mouth, and you spew it out your mouth right? So you got the peeling, you got the meat, and you have the seed uh, when it comes to an orange or a tang tangerine, same thing, peeling, meat, seed. An apple, you have the peeling of the apple, you have the meat of the apple, you have the seed of that apple. You get what I'm saying? Every piece of fruit is three yet one, proving the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one, or Yahweh, Elohim, Yahshua, these three are one. He's a unity. Now, you see here on this green chart, you have um, an atom is the, uh, the basic building block of all matter. In other words, everything is made of atoms. And an atom is three, yet one. You have a proton, a neutron, and an electron, which circles, by the way, the proton and the neutron. But there's three parts to that atom. But one atom, proven the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. Then you take a living cell, which man is made up of. You have a nucleus, a nucleolus, and a cell body. Three parts to that cell, but it's only one cell. All of this is proven the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. You take, for instance, this uh, monarch, monarch butterfly, right? It was a, uh, a seed, then it's a lava or a worm, which most women, we can't stand worms. And then it uh, uh, climbs up on the branch of a tree, you see, and then it, it, its body, that, that, that caterpillar, its body turns into a chrysalis. You know what I mean? So it was a, a seed, it was a lava or a worm, and then his body, that, that worm, uh, um, turns into a chrysalis, and inside that chrysalis, the butterfly is formed. And now he, when he comes forth out of that chrysalis on that branch, right, he doesn't look like that yucky, yucky, you know, caterpillar or worm, as we call it. You understand? Crawling and bound to the earth. Now he's a beautiful, beautiful creature. 
And now he is airborne now and he can take flight and they migrate, you know, and everything. But the point of it is, it's, a, it's, it's first is an egg, then it's a larva or worm, and then it's a butterfly. Three parts to that butterfly, one, one, three stages, I should say, of the butterfly, one butterfly. You get what I mean? It is just wonderful. We could just go on and on and on about the unity of the spirit. And I just scratched the surface. That that is nowhere near uh, the end of the story. But okay, so I'm gonna move on now. Let's go um, from the unity of the spirit. Now let's go. She talked about the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, and she had it read over there in First uh, Corinthians the 15th chapter. How that the gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah again the third day according to the scriptures. And so we're gonna stay right here on this chart here. And see if we can see the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah in the creation. Now you see right here next to the butterfly to the right, you have the four um, seasons of the year, right? So now um, in the fall, what happens is the sap from the tree goes down into the earth as the earth is getting ready to uh, uh, go from fall into winter. And so when that sap goes down into the earth, then the trees change colors. You can see it real good up north. Not so much where I am in Florida, but uh, if you go in the Carolinas and different places, you can see the leaves. They turn so beautiful. They, they're orange and they're red and what have you. And they're yellow. Beautiful, beautiful sight. You know, when the earth is going into fall. You see, when you see those leaves change and then they fall to the earth. In other words, showing forth a death. We're talking about the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, right? So the earth goes into a death state. And then in the wintertime, especially up north, you have the, uh, the snow and the ice that covers, you see, the dead earth. What I mean by dead? In other words, you know, the trees are naked now. No leaves on it has gone into a death state. The green grass has turned brown. It looks dead. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, so the entire earth goes into a death state in the fall. That's proven Yahshua died. It's buried in the snow and ice in the wintertime. That's a death and a burial. And then in the springtime, you see, the sun melts the snow and ice. And then you have a resurrection of vegetation in the springtime. So the leaves come back on the tree. The grass that was brown is green now. You see, your cats are having kittens and your dogs are having puppies and your, your, your ducks are having ducklings and your pigs are having piglets. You know what I mean? Everything is showing forth a light or resurrection in the springtime. You get it? And then in the summer, right, it goes into fruition, which shows forth an ascension. So the seasons of the year preach the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, how he died, how he was buried, how he resurrected again the third day according to the scriptures, and how he ascended until the heavenly father. You get what I mean? And 10 days later, poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and mind of the 120 in the upper room Acts, the second chapter. So then uh, you take, for instance, how do you get a tree? You see, there's a process before you even get a tree. Right. You got to take a seed and that seed, as long as it's sitting on the shelf or sitting in the package that you have bought from the uh, uh, nursery, 
You know what I'm saying? Where you go to buy seeds and you could go buy the little ducklings and the little chicks or whatever from from the uh, 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 nursery uh, store, right? You could get the packages of seed and you could plant, you know, flowers or you can plant whatever kind of vegetable and fruit that you want or whatever. But as long as it's in a package and it's up on the shelf, it's nothing going to happen because that seed is what? It's in a death state. So you got to take this dead or dormant seed, right? And you got to do what to it? You got to bury it in five minutes. Thank you very much. You got to bury that dead or dormant seed in the earth plane. So that's a death and a burial. And then it's three days, three weeks, whatever. There's a manifest manifestation of three. It resurrects. And then it grows up, you understand, into a beautiful tree where you uh, where it bears fruit in a few years, you see. So these are just some of the things that proves the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. But I want to end with the scripture lesson uh, for the next couple of minutes that we have. If you can go to, um, what was it, Isaiah? Uh, 42 and um, let's go to eight. Let's let's read eight. I think she might have quoted this. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 42 and eight. Mm -hmm. I am Yahweh. That is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise to graven images. That's good, right there. He says that I am Yahweh. Remember, she was talking about how we didn't know the name of Yahweh till we came to school. And that tree, by the way, the branches on that tree is making the letter Y. Your blood vessels in your body, your veins and arteries are making the letter Y. Your nervous system in your body is making the letter Y. You understand? The roots of that tree is making the letter Y. You know what I mean? You have Y's in the palm of your hands. The split ends of your hair is making the letter Y. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere mm -hmm. you look, you can see the name of Yahweh. It's beautiful. You see? So he says, now, I am Yahweh. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another. So that reminds me where he says, my glory will I not give to another. You, I'm not going to have it read, but if you jot it down in Matthew's 24th chapter, and uh, I think it's around about the fourth verse. It talks about let no man deceive you. Say many shall come in my name saying I am the Messiah and shall deceive many. But he said my glory will I not give to another. You know, I'm Yahweh. That's my name. And my glory will I not give to another and neither my praise to graven images. You get what I'm saying? You see? So he said, don't let no man deceive you and tell you that he or she's Yahweh. No, 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 no. Saying that I'm the Messiah. You understand? And shall deceive many. No, no, that's not the way that it is. You get what I mean? And then we pick it up with Paul. He talks about, well, who is Apollos and who is I can't name all the men. Oh, uh, and who is this one? And who is that one? Except ministers by which ye believe. You understand what I mean? Uh, all of those men, you see, since they are Pentecost, they are just ministers by which we believe. And we, we read and we listen to their testimony. And their testimony, you see, he says, one water planet and the other one watereth, but Yahweh gives the increase. You know, we can preach till we're blue in the face. We can't give nobody no revelations. You understand? Only Yahshua, who is the teacher in the school, can give one the revelation. All we can do as ministers of Yahshua and Messiah is give a reasonable testimony. 
That's all we can do is testify to that which Yahweh has given us. Okay, give me one last scripture and I'm done. For uh, Colossians 1 and 26. See, so, you know, Dr. Kelly says it on SoundCloud, you know, that, um, you know, that Yahshua comes in his father's name, but we, his bride, his body, as you read over there on the age of dispensation chart, we're the body of Yahshua. He's dead. You know what I'm saying? We come in Yahshua's name and Yahshua came in Yahweh's name. You understand what I'm saying? You, you get it? So Yahshua is the savior. He's the one that died that death as outcast dog out there on the cross and spilled his blood for us. You get what I mean? And our salvation is in Yahshua only. That's why he gave him a name above every name. That at the name of Yahshua the Messiah, you see what I mean? Shall, uh, every tongue shall confess and every, every knee shall bow. And you're going to do it to the glory of Yahweh. But we want to bow now and be saved. You got it, Colossians 1.26. Even the mystery which hath been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his sons, mm -hmm. to whom Yahweh would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Yahshua in you, the hope of glory. Absolutely. And in the King James Bible says, which is the Messiah in you, the hope of glory. You get what I'm saying? You see, so that's talking about the Holy Spirit. Yahshua the Messiah is the Holy Spirit, like the previous speaker said, and he quickens in our souls by knowledge and understanding is our only hope of glory. All praises and glory go unto Yahweh our Elohim through Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Williams. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the Dean of our Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. I want to say gre uh, uh, greetings to all of the brethren that are watching today on Zoom and on YouTube. And I'm just going to continue right with the foundation that was set up by the first two speakers. Now, what I want to do is I want to try to take what Cherie just showed you and apply it uh, to the purpose itself. So let me just uh, scoot over here for a minute and blow this down to a size that you have to excuse me on these charts. I'm not familiar with how to use PowerPoint very well. I think that shows. But here's what I want you to recognize. This tabernacle, uh, and I'm going to switch back and forth here, that was shown to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. This is a structure and function of the operation of Yahweh's purpose. Now, Cherie just got up and showed you how that the structure is simple as one, two, three. And that is, and Dr. Kinley used to talk about, if you can count to three, you can understand the purpose of Yahweh. And you have the three compartments, the most holy place, holy place, and court roundabout. Uh, and she went through, Dr. Williams went through how you have three parts to the atom, to the cell, and so on. Now, what I want to do is talk about function of the tabernacle. And that's something that we can apply also, because she also worked with, uh, Dr. Williams worked with death, burial, and resurrection. So what I want to do is show you how the purpose is operating according to the pattern. 
Now let me go back over to the tabernacle here. Nope, that's the wrong one. <laughs> here it is. Okay. First thing I want to say to you is this. Contrary to the way we uh, see things happening, we see the tabernacle with the court roundabout, and then from there we move to the holy place and the most holy place. But in reality, everything begins from the most holy place. And that is to say, going back over here, that this cloud that we call pure spirit up here, or it's an analogy of pure spirit, of course, is Yahweh in a state. And in that state, all things, he is the limits, the bounds, and the source and substance of all things that exist. Everything has its origin from spirit. The whole universe. Now, what Yahweh elected to do in the purpose was to bring about offspring and make himself known to his offspring in part and to share his glory with us in part. Now, in order to do that, and I, I kept using emphasizing that point about in part because no one or nothing knows all there is about Yahweh. No one has all of the intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength that is in pure spirit. He is infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom, infinite intelligence, infinite love, which means there's no end of it. Now what he did to make himself known, he decided to step down. I'm using that point uh, to try to show you how he's going to change states. Now, Cherie talked about the, the caterpillar and the larva. That's coming from the court roundabout, moving on an upward state. But now the way the purpose works, everything has its origin from spirit. So I'm going back over to the tabernacle again. Everything starts in the most holy place. Now, if you know how the priest entered into the most holy place and exited, You'll recognize, and Dr. Kinley gave us a lecture on this at one point, where he showed that the priest had to go up on the right side of this veil. Now, you see this veil folded back. It actually wasn't like that. It was a solid sheet. And the priest didn't have an opening in the middle with two sides, uh, like curtains on your window. He had to go up on the right side of the veil to enter into the most holy place. And when he came out, on the Day of Atonement, he went out on the left side. And I'm talking about right and left as you're looking at it or facing it. Now, everything comes down on the left side. Everything goes up on the right side. Now, with that in mind, what Yahweh did is he took on shape and form right within himself. Now, on the Day of Atonement, I'm going to show you how the tabernacle kind of illustrates that. On the Day of Atonement, when the high priest went into the most holy place, he had to go in there with vessels on him. In other words, he had incense in his right hand, he had a cup of blood in his left hand, and he had the incenser with the coals wrapped around a chain hanging from his left arm. Now, when he went in on the uh, in the most holy place, he had to take his left hand, where the blood was, 
and move the curtain from the right side, pushing it down towards the left side so he could enter into the most holy place. So it's by the blood that he's opening up that veil and making entry into the most holy place. Now, what he does when he's in the most holy place, he takes the incense that's beaten in his hand and puts it on the coals on the incenser, and that's what gave up this cloud that you see here painted uh, in the chart here. Let me see if I can blow that up a little bit, just make it a little larger. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to, oh, I went too far. <laughs> You'll have to have patience with me with these charts. I'm certainly not a chartist. Now, oh boy, I thought I could get that to, to move over, but I can't. All right. Well, all right. If you see this cloud here, actually the cloud, when he put it in on the incenser, it filled the entire most holy place. Now, that cloud represents, over here, I'm going back to the Moses chart again to show you my point. Where are we? Here we go. Uh, I guess I blew up all the charts when I was only trying to move the one, so. Well, you're good. Uh, hang on. You're going to have to excuse me because I'm not good with this PowerPoint. Now, here's what I want you to see. That... This cloud, ladies and gentlemen, is circled all the way around the circumference of this chart to show that everything that exists abides within the cloud. So when Moses goes up into that cloud there, when he's called up to the top of the mountain in Exodus, the 24th chapter, that cloud symbolizes eternity or pure spirit. Now what Yahweh Elohim, what Yahweh did is he took on shape and form right within the cloud to show you that Elohim is a lesser part of the cloud. And let me let me put it uh, to you like this. He's not the totality of the cloud. Now, what we recognize then is that uh, the cloud is the source and substance also of Elohim himself, which means that Yahweh is taking on shape and form right within himself. So on the Day of Atonement, uh, let me go back over to the chart. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, here we go. On the Day of Atonement, when the cloud fills that most holy place after the uh, incense is put on the incenser, then the appearance eventually of Elohim on the mercy seat signifies atonement, which there is showing you that Yahweh, what, what's, what the atonement is and, and is being signified by is the shape and form that is in the cloud. So what we call that is the flash of the Shekinah, which means the appearance of of Yahshua right on that mercy seat, or Yahweh Elohim, which I'll talk about that in a minute. Now, what I want you to see then is that what Yahweh did, and I want to make this clear, as the purpose progresses, what we have is simply this, and, and I've got to move this chart down again. Yahweh comes out of a state that Dr. Kinley referred to as ontological perfection and took on a lesser form of himself right within himself. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Kinley said that that was a crucifixion. Now, the reason why it was a crucifixion is because it, can, it cannot equal the glory that exists within pure spirit, that Yahweh exists in that state of total glory. This is a lesser form of glory, so it's likened unto a crucifixion by the founder. And this is the reason, because as Yahweh formulated the purpose in this state, 
He elected then to carry it out, and what commits him to the purpose is not the formulation of it, but once he takes on shape and form, he is now committed to his purpose. He must finish it. He must complete it or fulfill it. Now, we call that form the word. I could put it like this, that when Yahweh formulated the purpose, once he takes on this form, he has now given us his word, and he cannot break it. He cannot go against it because it's impossible for him to lie. So this mm -hmm. is him coming down, and as he's coming down from that state, he is divesting himself of the glory that was in the state of pure spirit. Now, in this state, we have Yahweh Elohim, and I'm going to go back over. Uh, well, I'll stay here for a minute. In this state is Yahweh Elohim. Uh, he is in a state of superincorporeal, which is also a glorified state. Lesser than, it's lesser than pure spirit, but it is a glorified state. Now, what he has to do is further, he has to divest himself of that glory and come down further to an incorporeal state, and then eventually he has to even step down to the lowest form of glory by taking on a physical body that is in the likeness of sinful flesh. With, uh, If I could say from an outer standpoint, there is no glory. There is no glory uh, of that body. That body was just no different than any other body in terms of the way it looked, and now I'm talking about, than any other body that was walking around on the planet. Now, what made it different is when we don't we don't under, know this until after we get the Holy Spirit and, and understand how the purpose worked. This was a transmutation of spirit, a direct transmutation from pure spirit into this physical form. Now, as Yahweh's coming down the pattern, he is divesting himself of glory. Now, let me go back over to the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, when the priest comes down on the left, and he's eventually going to move all the way down to the court runabout, he must take off the garments of beauty and glory. Uh, the vision on that mercy seat was far more glorious than these, these garments of themselves. And once the priest comes out of there, he's got to remove the garments of beauty and glory and continue down to the court roundabout uh, when he's finished making the atonement to announce to them that atonement was made and that they're forgiven of their sins. Now, what I want you to see is coming down the pattern is a divesting of glory. It starts in the most holy place. As we move through these veils, the glory of the, uh, uh, is being brought to a lower state till finally we get into the court roundabout and we don't have any outward glory. Now, this state, and I'm going to use this term, is likened unto the principle of death. And the reason is because Yahweh is coming down and he is also on the downward trek of the operation within the tabernacle. I want to show you this. It's important for you to understand this. That when Yahweh, the way this pattern is going to work is he's going to come down, but he's going to eventually have to make an ascension back up. So what we have is two functions. We have descent and ascension. Uh, and that's how the, pat the purpose is going to work as well. So as he's descending, he's removing glory. But there's something very important that goes along with that. When he is operating his purpose and he's moving down in from one state to another, he is in the process 
of setting up the purpose or the manifestations that will witness to the reality of his purpose that will be made known later. And in this state, he is not revealing the purpose to anyone. He is not opening up these mysteries. He is simply laying down the groundwork for himself to come in, in the flesh, to fulfill the manifestations, and then pour out his Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, the pouring out of the Spirit is the beginning of the ascension. So I could put it like this. Uh, let me go back to the tabernacle. Oh boy, here we go. The priest is coming down, and when he gets down here in the court roundabout, we know that at the bottom of the court roundabout, we have a sacrifice, we have the altar, something's got to die. Now, what happens is that death provided the priest with the blood that he's going to need as he ascends back up into the holy place and then eventually into the most holy place. He's got to bring the blood of that animal that was sacrificed with him on the ascension. So what I want you to know is when the Messiah came in, all of the law and the prophets had now been set up for 4,000 years, and who was it that was inspiring and giving uh, that those things that are written in the Law and the Prophets to Moses and to uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the rest of the prophets. Well, Peter said, uh, get, get me First Peter, uh, 2 Peter 1 and 20, excuse me. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can because I want you to see how the, how the purpose is operating by the function that is in the tabernacle that the priest has to do when he's operating in that tabernacle. So this tabernacle is a structure and a function. And so what we're doing is when we come into class, we're learning that everything is threefold. We're learning how everything correlates to that. That is the structure. But now we have to understand the functioning that takes place. Now remember this, the high priest for the most part is functioning in, a, in, a, in an area that is veiled, which means you can't see it on the outside. You can see this down here in the court roundabout of the offering of the animal sacrifice, the washing. This is all visible down here in this court roundabout, but not what goes on in the holy place and most holy place. You have to be, uh, 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 as it were, called to go in there. You have to be invited to go into the holy place and the most holy place. Now, what I want you to see is this then. Okay, so we've got the, the purpose coming down where Yahweh is creating, he's bringing in all these events that occurred, and he's speaking things all the way down through the law and the prophets, and pardon for what I'm about to say, and none of the people that he had write these things knew what it was talking about. And that's in Peter also. But read first, Second Peter one twenty, please. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but but holy men of Yahweh spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit was what was moving Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, all of the prophets. And what I want you to realize is that the Holy Spirit back then was the one, it was the words of the Holy Spirit that they were writing down in those so-called books. 
Now, when we do our names chart, let me go over and get the names chart for just a minute. We say that Elohim is the word or son, right? Which is true. And remember, Elohim is not a name. But this Yahshua here, we don't mean the physical body Yahshua. Why? Because it says under the name Yahshua, Holy Spirit, in or out of a physical body. We say that at every beginning of every class. Yahshua is the Holy Spirit. Now, what he was doing as the Holy Spirit was moving those men to write things. He was inspiring them to write this, write this, write this, write that. Okay? Now, if we go into, it might be, it might be still in this first chapter, uh, second Peter, the first chapter, where it talks about those men that desired to understand the things that they were prophesying. Is it in the first chapter? If it's not in the first chapter of the of second Peter, it's in the first chapter of first Peter. If somebody could find that for me. Well, actually, why don't I find it for you? I'm trying to make this simple because I want you to see how the, the purpose is operating according to the pattern. Now, 2 Peter 1, let's see here. Let's see if this is the one I'm after. It's 1 Peter 1. It's 1 Peter. Okay, thank you. All first, right. First chapter. Yep, first chapter. And I want you to start at... Okay, start at uh, uh, 9. 1 Peter 1, 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Right. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Yahshua, who was in them, did signify when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Yahshua and the glory that should follow. Right. Unto whom it was revealed that, not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. All right, stop right there, because it's important we digest what you just read. Now, they searched diligently to understand the things they actually wrote, but it wasn't given to them then to understand it. They administered unto us, and now we are having the scriptures that those men wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit opened up to our understanding now since the day of Pentecost. Now, why am I making that point? Because the Holy Spirit was not functioning in the uh, first uh, three ages, uh, the uh, creative age, the uh, 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 antediluvian and post-diluvian ages. He was not revealing anything. He was simply inspiring them to write things and to do things without revelation. They didn't understand what it was all for. Now, what I want you to see is because on the downward ascent, we, he, is, he is not going to open up the purpose yet. So I want to get back here to the tabernacle. As the priest comes down, he's taking off, divesting himself of glory, and he's moving down. It's like a death process. And as we move out of the most holy place, we're moving down. We're moving down in a state of death and darkness. 
Now, when the Messiah comes in and he speaks those words to his apostles, and his apostles, he tells them, listen, I'm not talking about when in the, in the uh, sixth chapter of John, he said, eat my body, drink my blood, and you'll have eternal life. And they thought, oh my gosh, who can hear this? So what happened was, Joshua okay. had to explain to them later, the flesh doesn't profit anything. It's the words I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life. Now, they didn't understand his words either. I'm talking about the apostles. Now, because the Holy Spirit, when he's functioning in the purpose, as on the downward trek, he's not opening up anything or revealing anything. It's not till he goes through this death down here at the, at the altar and begins the ascent up with the blood that he's going to start now opening up the meaning and purpose that he set up in the first three ages. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. It was the beginning of opening up our spiritual, with a spiritual mind, our understanding of why he said this back there, why he did this thing back there, and so on. Now, that's on the ascent. That's when you're now receiving revelation, and now you're putting on glory as you ascend with him, going back up into the most holy place. Now, watch. What I want to show you is this. Uh, Mount Sinai, hang on. On Mount Sinai here, did you ever notice that it was painted on this chart. I'm sure you've noticed this. is a stupid question I just asked, but I, I want to get a point across. That Elohim doesn't have any clothes on up there. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Number two, what position are his hands in up there on top of Mount Sinai next to Moses? He's got his arms crossed, right? Mm -hmm. And as the arms are crossed, his hands are not opened up. Okay. Now, Dr. Kinley had it painted that way for this reason. The lack of clothes shows that he divested himself of glory because the garments of beauty and glory are put on and worn on the ascent part of the operation of the tabernacle, not the descent. Now, here he's not revealing anything. He's not opening up anything. Therefore, the hands represent a, re a vision and revelation. The left hand, the vision, the right hand, the revelation. So he's not revealing anything yet, so his hands are closed, or they're folded in front of him. But now once we hit the Messiah comes in, he dies on this cross. Uh, let me get my pointer here. He dies on this cross, he buried, then resurrects, and then we move towards Pentecost, and we move right up to John, the way it's painted here in the Isle of Patmos. Here he sees the vision of Yahshua, and what do we see? Go to John, the uh, Revelation, the first chapter. Okay. He's going to describe what he, he's, look. this is the same one right here at the end of this, this painting that's over here at the beginning of those seven days. This is Elohim here naked, uh, uh, no clothes on, no hands being shown here. And you know yourself, when you play cards, uh, I hate to drag this in, you're playing cards and uh, poker, mm. at the end... It's time to show your hand. Reveal what you had in your hand. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, here's what's going on. Uh, in Revelation, the first chapter, I want you to pick up the description of Yahshua that's appeared now to John on the Isle of Patmos. Mm -hmm. Wait, one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's in the first chapter of Revelation. Uh, I'm going to go over there and get with you. Uh, I think 13, yeah. 
12. All right, start at 12. One and 12. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, and look, in the midst look, if he's seeing seven golden candlesticks, question, where are the seven golden candlesticks kept? Or the, or the seven branch lampstand kept? Holy place. In the holy place. That means you got to get inside the tabernacle. That's a sanctuary in there. And that and, and if that's shown because it's after Pentecost now, he's got John in the spirit, as he said, on the day of rest. And what's happening? He's now gonna look at the inner workings of the tabernacle from a spiritual standpoint, because now we're on the ascent portion of the purpose, and Yahshua's gonna reveal to them or open something up. Now, I'm not going to have you read this, but in the first verse of, the, of Revelation 1, it says the revelation of Yahshua the Messiah that his father gave unto him to show unto his servants. Now, because he's revealing, we got him in the tabernacle, standing where the, where the lampstand is. Keep reading. Uh, uh, 12. Oh, oh, Thirteen. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with now the garment he's down to... Now he's clothed. He wasn't right. over here at, at where Moses is up at the top of the mountain there. No clothes. Now we got clothes on. Keep reading. Mm -hmm. Clothed with the garments down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now that, he's describing what you would read about in Exodus when the priest was to go in, they, they, there's a section in Exodus that talks about the garments of beauty and glory. Now, those right. garments of beauty and glory, Yahshua's wearing him now because now he's going to be in a glorified state, no longer right. in the flesh, no longer on the descent part of the purpose. He's on the ascent. So now here he is with this, these garments of beauty and glory inside the tabernacle, so you're seeing the inner workings. Read. His head and his hairs were like wool, were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire. There it is. Now we've got him in the most holy place. That's the cloud, his hair being white and all that, and the flames, the, the two eyes, the flames of fire are like the two archangels. Keep reading. And his feet like unto fine There's grass. There's his feet down there in the uh, altar, on the altar. Read. Oh. Court roundabout, and they burnt in a furnace. Right yeah, go ahead. They burned in a furnace. Read. And his voice is the sound of many There's waters. The labor. Now we got the labor of water. Read. And he had in his right hand. Now his hand is open. Now he's mm. revealing what he has in his right hand. Left hand is the vision. When you read over there in the books of the prophets, and it says, the hand of Yahweh was upon me. That doesn't mean there was this big hand that came out of the sky and put it on his shoulder. <laughs> the hand is the vision that he was given to him, but they didn't have the right hand or the revelation. They got the vision, they were inspired, but they didn't know what it meant. Now here, he's showing what's in his right hand, meaning he's going to give you a revelations of those things that have operated down through the purpose for the first three ages. It's now going to be, start, he's starting to open it up. 
So I've mm -hmm. shown you on the scent we have glorification and revelation. Now the revelation, ladies and gentlemen, is absolutely essential for you to understand what we're learning down here in class and how it applies to Yahweh's great purpose and plan. We know what his purpose is. Now we need to know how it works. And once we start doing that, this whole thing gets so much easier for you to be able to comprehend and understand what you're reading or why you're taught certain things. Now, Dr. Killing once told us, he said, if you ever catch on to this, the way this thing works, he said, well, then you won't have such a hard time with it. Now, we got to know how it works. Now, we got to realize that on one side of the cross, no revelation, everything's coming down Glory is being stripped on the up on the right side of the cross. That's saying after Yahshua's death, burial, resurrection is in the ascension stage. Now, in the net, all the the fourth age, fifth and sixth age are going to be continuous learning on the ascent back at, for us to ascend and eventually go back to the Father Yahweh in pure spirit. And we're in that ascension stage right now. So the revelation is the opening up to you the words that Yahshua spoke all the way down through your Bible, down through the Law and the Prophets. Those words that were spoken are now being opened up for your understanding. It is revealing to you a hidden mystery of the purpose of Yahweh, and it will cause your soul to be clothed about with those garments and beauty of glory of Yahshua. Now remember when the high priest went up there on the Day of Atonement as he made his ascent, he had the breastplate with the 12 stones in it. Every one of those stones were precious stones. And the names of those that were chosen were written in those stones. And therefore, they were reflecting the light. That's what these precious stones do. When the flash of the Shekinah occurred, that flash, as we, when you think of a flash, you think of a, all of a sudden a, a light uh, happening. Well, when that light happens, it's going to reflect right from your soul now because you become a, a stone of the temple. Uh, as, 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 as Peter said, ye are as lively stones of the temple. We are lively stones now. We are carried in Yahshua's bosom, which means that we, he has loved us and grafted us into him. And we will reflect the revelations that he is imparting to his elect. And that those revelations and that nature that's forming in us is what we read about in our scripture reading tonight. And I'm going to go back over there because I see I only got a couple of minutes. So I want to go back over to uh, Isaiah 42. And I want to go down back up to, uh, let's see here, 42.1. Read that, please. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. Now listen, I have put listen, he, this is a prophecy about Yahshua the Messiah. The servant that he's talking about here is not, is not Isaiah or Jeremiah. It's talking about Yahshua. Yahshua came in to do the will of the Father. He is the servant of Yahweh. And when they, uh, Yahshua corrected his apostles one time, said, listen, I didn't come to be ministered to, I came to minister unto you. In other words, a minister is a servant. 
Now, he's serving Yahweh's purpose. That's what he's doing. So this prophecy is about Yahshua, and it says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect. He said, In whom my soul delighteth. Now remember when Yahshua was baptized, that was uh, a fulfillment, as we know. And when he went there uh, and was baptized by John, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Yahweh is well pleased in Yahshua the Messiah because he is the reflection of the divine attributes that Yahweh intended to be demonstrated so that we would know him in part. And so what we got here is we got I had and, he, and keep reading he said I have put my spirit upon him and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. So what I want you to know. I can't take the time because I'm out now. I only got one minute. But I want you to know that Yahshua, his job on the way down the pattern is to lay the groundwork and not reveal anything. Because we said, we, we already know the Holy Spirit inspired him, but he didn't reveal nothing to them. So he was laying the groundwork then. On the upside, now the groundwork is already laid. You go back into the lawn and the Holy Spirit which now is in the in the upward trend of revealing the purpose, will open up to you those things that are written back there that were laid down in the first three ages. So I, I was going to go into it further, but I saw I ate my clock. Uh, I gave you a little good foundation of how the purpose is operating according to the functioning in the tabernacle. And I hope it made some sense. It can be gotten into in more depth. Trust me, I, I just scratched it. So I hope you learned something. I hope you got something out of it. But this teaching never ceases to amaze me. There is so much, ladies and gentlemen, from the foundation we got that we never understood, that we never had it uh, an, an inkling of how profound it is until Yahshua starts opening these things up. When you come to class, we got to lay the groundwork. We got to show you what's back there, what happened. We're laying, the, we're doing the same to you essentially when you walk in the door with your foundation, as Yahshua did the first three ages. He was laying the foundation. Now, at some point, we're going to also preach the reality of what these things are, and the Holy Spirit's got to give the increase. I can plant, somebody can water, but Yahshua gives the increase, and he's going to reveal it. And those revelations will quicken you. They will cause you to uh, be uh, uh, changed right within the, the, the depths of your soul, and you will start to be the very nature, the divine attributes that are now working in you. So I hope you got something out of it. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry if I chopped it up. But uh, anyway, praise be to Yahshua. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for attending. And I want you to know that I'll be out of town for the next couple of weeks. That's why we're not going to be able to stream to YouTube. But um, it's possible that it may be uploaded if they are going to have a Zoom meeting. With that, I thank you so much. Peace in Yahshua. I hand it back, I'll hand it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today on our Zoom class. And we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 
to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.